This is a 3CR community radio podcast, and Psychedelia is broadcast every Sunday from 2pm. For more info on anything you hear in the show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page. Good afternoon and welcome to Encyclopedia on this uh, rainy uh, Sunday summer afternoon. Uh, we're nearly at the end of summer though, so I suppose it's appropriate that uh, autumn starts to make itself heard. It is 3CR subscriber drive this week. If you want to keep hearing programs like Encyclopedia and like uh, Freedom of Species, who uh, just got off the air and will be back from 1 o'clock next week, head to 3cr.org.au and you can subscribe. It's $70 for waged uh, people and $35 for pensioner or concession. Or if you have a little bit more money that you'd like to give or you're part of an organisation that would like to be a subscriber to 3CR, uh, you can pay $130 and uh, really uh, help out keep everyone on 3CR and everything running here. so please check it out, 3cr.org.au. We've got a big program today. Uh, going to be covering some news in just a tick with some uh, incidents that um, occurred uh, overnight. Uh, not to do with White Knight, although I believe there were some White Knight incidents as well. Um, Ash Blackwell in the studio as well. Ash, how are you doing today? I'm quite well, thank you. Excellent. Uh, and we're also going to be hearing from uh, Mariana Dinakova. She is a... Uh, uh, she's got a few titles, actually. She does some uh, counselling and some uh, psychology uh over in California and she was down for Rainbow Serpent Festival recently talking about navigating altered spaces uh, but the information is useful for other purposes too Uh, and we're also going to be talking a little bit about the Victorian drugs inquiry a little bit later in the show so stick around uh, 3cr.org.au if you want more information and to find us on uh, social media uh, Facebook and Twitter follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page Encyclopedia News of the Week I don't condone or advocate that everyone should use illicit drugs. I think it's a, a huge decision made with the right amount of research and forethought. The intention is to discourage ICE use. The actual effect is it encourages the stigmatisation of people who use this drug. The risk there is people are less likely to disclose their use even when they're experiencing some issues, so they're less likely to access essential health services. The potential for harm increases. People feel hesitant to be open about who they are because they're afraid of judgment from family members or people at work or or just people in society in general. Many of them have conservative mindsets regardless of their politics uh, and will just say, oh well, then the the government are not looking after us and therefore it's seen as a law and order issue rather than a a social problem that needs to be dealt with on, on a Drug news from Melbourne and around the world. Lots going on as always. Earlier this week, Queensland police released an official press statement uh, warning people that they had detected the synthetic opiate carfentanil. Um, this was something that Dr. David Caldicott had warned about earlier in the summer. It's it's been seen overseas. Um, Coming on to primarily the heroin street market um, and opioid users using uh, opiates such as fentanyl that are a synthetic um, pain medication and um, also carfentanil, which is 
usually dubbed elephant tranquilizer or some such thing. You know, one of sound dramatic. One of the journalists called it the one-touch death drug, which is it it is possible. Yeah, it's a very strong drug, and it is possible to accidentally overdose in in a number of ways. So it was an appropriate health warning, although some of the reporting had a little bit of hype and I think hyperbole. And and we've seen it's um it's difficult because of the um hyperbole in uh, all drug reporting that when there is something factual out there, how can people know the difference unless they're informed by experts? which is a better way to be doing things. Yeah, so it's too early to say whether these kinds of things will continue to become prominent um, in the drug market and particularly in the recreational drug market because that is something that's happened uh, overseas, particularly in Canada and other parts of North America. Voltface is a UK drug policy think tank which has this week released a report called Black Sheep which seeks to shine a light on those people who do have trouble with cannabis but find it difficult to seek support under prohibition. Uh, Voltface policy director Dr Henry Fisher said by regulating the cannabis market responsibly rather than allowing people experiencing problematic use to fall through the cracks as is currently the case in the UK, we would have a golden opportunity to connect them with support while at the same time improving the support provided. You can find the full report at Voltface's website. That's V-O-L-T-E-F-A-C-E dot M-E. And um, I, I think that's a uh, that's an important argument for regulation over prohibition. That uh, those people who do experience a problem find it really difficult to seek help because of the stigma and uh, taboo to any discussions. Uh, which goes along the line of a similar article this week from um, Dr. Nicole Lee, who wrote about there essentially being no ice epidemic in the sense of the prevalence of use um, is still quite low. It's not you know, washing upon us like a tidal wave. Uh, and the essence of her article also challenged the idea that that kind of fear-driven campaign about a particular substance creates stigma and that's actually a barrier for people seeking treatment. Um, so she suggested another approach there where we acknowledge the truth that most people that take drugs don't have a problem and that allows a, a more open space for those that do to seek treatment. U.S. neuroscientist Dr. Carl Hart has written a piece for Nature magazine entitled Viewing Addiction as a Brain Disease Promotes Social Injustice, which is exactly the point that you're um, just making, uh, that it's important to see uh, the reality of the situation rather than the hyperbole and the, the sort of myths that go about. Dr. Hart argues that there are many other factors which feed into the reasons why people use drugs and that those who struggle with addiction are a minority of the overall number of people who use drugs. He says the notion that drug addiction is a brain disease is catchy but empty. There are virtually no data in humans indicating that addiction is a disease of the brain in the way that, for instance, Huntington's or Parkinson's are diseases of the brain. With those illnesses, one can look at the brains of affected individuals and make accurate predictions about the disease involved and their symptoms. He says that we're nowhere near being able to distinguish the brains of addicted persons from those of non-addicted individuals. Despite this, the diseased brain perspective has outsized influence on research funding and direction, as well as on how drug use and addiction are viewed in society. The full article is at nature.com. Yeah, I think that's an interesting perspective, especially in the medical realm, where things tend to be framed in disease model uh, type things. In Vancouver, uh, Canada, earlier this week, there was a meeting of more than 100 healthcare professionals, drug policy activists and frontline workers to discuss um, pathways to opening more supervised consumption sites across the country. They do have some supervised injecting centres in Canada already, 
But given the problem with fentanyl that we were talking about before, it's a, it's a much different kind of scene over there in Canada, and they've seen a dramatic rise in overdose deaths. Activists and um, uh, health professionals have actually been opening some renegade consumption sites, mm. pop-up tents in the downtown east side of Vancouver and in different cities as well. So they're, they're, there is government support, um, and the activists are really pushing things where there's like I guess, sand in the gears. So this is a big push to see that rolled out a bit quicker. And we're seeing a uh, big push in Melbourne as well for a uh, medically supervised injecting centre in North Richmond. With the launch this week, uh, Sex Party MP Fiona Patton launched the End the Needles Nightmare campaign, calling on the government to support a bill she has uh, put into Parliament for a trial of a medically supervised injecting centre. Uh, The centre is supported by a number of experts and agencies. I think it was about 176 signatories to a a petition calling on the government to support this. and the centre will be located in North Richmond. Uh, they say the centre will significantly reduce ambulance attendances, improving response times for ordinary Victorians, free up police resources to focus on drug traffickers, not street-level offending, clean up the needles in the streets, get drug users off doorsteps and out of public toilets, parks and laneways, and into a supervised environment, break the cycle of offending by getting hardened drug uh, into, uh, drug users into drug treatment and save over $3 million in ambulance call-outs and hospital emergency costs. Uh, that campaign, I mean, obviously we've been following a, a long discussion uh, for the introduction of a medically supervised injecting centre. Uh, this is a proposal for a trial of the centre. We've seen the success in King's Cross. A, I believe, 18-month trial would be able to gather some data and see if it's going to be successful. But the uh, data so far does indicate that it's likely to be successful. The Herald Sun ran a story on the injecting centre earlier this week um, talking about a mother whose whose son had died of a heroin overdose in 2015. Um, Sherry Short said that uh, her son would still be here today if he had access to a medical injecting facility in 2015. He'd struggled with um, heroin dependence throughout his 20s and had been 12 months in recovery and doing quite well when he relapsed and unfortunately passed away. So I think, you know, it's good that they're covering that. That kind of really challenges this idea that um, people should be hated for their choices of drug use and stigmatised. When you hear a mother going, this is my son and I love him and he'd still be here with this, it's a really powerful challenge. A 19-year-old Perth man has been charged with drug offences following the death of his friend. 18-year-old Corey Dubai passed away on February 8th after taking a substance reported as N-bomb and likely to be the powerful phenethylamine 25i N-bomb, which has been associated with multiple deaths across the world. Uh, The tragedy of this event is exasperated by prohibition, which seeks to find a person to blame for a choice which may have been prevented outside of the prohibition framework, where good information and harm reduction measures are paramount instead of a barely touched on afterthought. Um, I guess some good news from the Philippines, where President Duterte's been uh, conducting a really brutal drug war against the, the people there. Thousands of Roman Catholics have marched uh, this Sunday in the biggest gathering denouncing the extrajudicial killings and the government plan to reimpose the death penalty for criminals. Dubbed the Walk of Life, the prayer rally was endorsed by the Catholic Bishops' Conference of the Philippines and um, 
Organisers claimed as many as 50,000 people took part in the march. Uh, there's been more than 7,600 people killed since Duterte launched his anti-drugs campaign seven months ago. So I think we're seeing a crumbling of public support starting to happen in the Philippines. Uh, George Zimmer is a 68-year-old entrepreneur and founder of clothing chain Men's Warehouse. Zimmer has recently spoke out about his use of cannabis and how it helped him uh, over the years. He says that through the years he used the drug as a crutch as he weaned himself off alcohol and that it's been 35 years since there, uh, he has recovered from alcohol and uh, has, or from alcoholism um, and last had a drink. And he credit, credits much of this to the success uh, of transferring his addiction from a uh, more dangerous drug to a more benign one. Zimmer says the fact is, and I mean the scientific fact, cannabis is less toxic and dangerous than cigarettes and alcohol, which are the main drugs in the United States. And stories like this are an important reminder of the variety of people who use drugs and their ability to succeed regardless of their psychoactive substance of choice. And last night, the, it's been widely reported this morning, um, paramedics treated a number of people at the Electric Parade dance party, uh, which according to some sources was awash with drugs. Mm. Um, 21 people were transported to the Alfred uh, Royal Melbourne and St Vincent's hospitals. And um, senior sources from uh, Ambulance Victoria stated that they uh, were presumed to have overdosed from GHB. And there's been a bit of a um, few few stories going around in the media of this incident or, or these incidents, I should say, because there were multiple incidents and not all of them were related um, last night. And uh, some people have uh, uh, taken on uh, the angle of calling for pill testing. But if the incidents were um, due to GHB, which is a, uh, a liquid drug that, that people um, take, it uh, is active on the GABA receptors in your brain, um, which are also um, affected um, sometimes by alcohol. Um, this drug, it's very easy for people to take a little bit too much and then they um, have a uh, quite a reaction. Um, but... It's not something that pill testing, like it, it comes in a liquid form. It's not something that people would get it mixed up with something else. There are a few GHB analogs out there, which are the likely culprits in this case. Um, but good harm reduction information is the key here so that people actually know about this substance before they go and take it and think, oh, I'm going to have a good time if I have a bit more. No, you're not. It, that's, that's what we've seen going on. Yeah. And, um, well, it was interesting. Some of the reporting, um, you know, I watched a few uh, television snippets of it uh, this morning. They spoke about White Knight going off without a hitch. Um, and so there was a lot of differentiation between the two events, you know, portraying one as family friendly and one as awash with drugs. Um, but some other reporting stated that eight people were also transported to hospital after the White Knight event in what was presumed to be drug related incidents also. And this is why um, the discussion that we have around drugs is not the the information doesn't matter as much as the so-called message and the message is that drugs are bad and we need to keep that front and centre at all times when really the message should be uh, maybe look after yourselves and if you're going to be somebody that does take drugs here's how to look after yourself please don't end up in the emergency rooms because if it's avoidable then through through knowledge then it's it's something that doesn't have to be a bane on resources um that could be utilized elsewhere we got time for one more yeah one more there was an article in the conversation stating that australia emerges as a leader in the global dark net markets trade 
um, it seems that we are particularly enthusiastic about seeking out drugs in the crypto markets. So just a bit of a breakdown, cannabis was the most popularly traded um, by domestic vendors. This was followed by prescription drugs, ecstasy, psychedelics and magic mushrooms, methamphetamine and then cocaine. Um, opioids such as heroin accounted for only 3% of all transactions undertaken by Australian crypto market vendors. So there's just a little snapshot. If you want more information, all of these articles will be posted on the Encyclopedia Facebook page. And you are listening to Encyclopedia on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM digital and streaming at the website 3cr.org.au, where, as you said, um, we can uh, we post lots of information on the social media and you can also subscribe to the podcast there. And while you're at the 3CR website, don't forget as well that it is our subscriber drive this week. Uh, we want you to subscribe to help us stay on the air. We need your support. This is a community radio station supported by its members and its subscribers. Uh, the phone number here, but it's not probably manned at the moment. I don't, we're live on air, so we can't pick up the phone. Uh, but it is 94198377. Uh, the 3CR website is where you can go as well. $70 for wage, $35 for pensioner slash concession, and $130 if you are part of an organisation or have more money to be able to support 3CR. Next Sunday, the Australian Psychedelic Society will be having its first meetup, discussion, music and market event. The event begins at 3.30pm at Bar Open, 317 Brunswick Street in Fitzroy. Uh, it's going to be starting off with Rob Wookie giving a short talk on the eight-circuit model of consciousness, a slightly esoteric model, first proposed by Timothy Leary and expanded upon by Robert Anton Wilson. Each monthly event will begin with a short talk on topics ranging from the scientific to the esoteric. Uh, two bands with some psychedelic influences will also be playing. Uh, new Melbourne band Sugar Sandwich will be launching their EP later in the afternoon. And Melbourne trip-hop band Calicoma will also be playing. If you are near a computer, check out some of Calicoma's video clips on YouTube. The Australian Psychedelic Society meet up from 3.30 next week at Bar Open. $10 on the door, all going towards helping to grow this society. For more information on Facebook uh, or... Uh, for more information, head to Facebook or psychedelicsociety.com.au. This is uh, Calicoma with Kaleidoscoper on 3CR.
3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. Do you have a community event or campaign you'd like to announce on radio? Maybe your group would like to take a tour of 3CR and find out how community radio works. Are you in a band and would like to record a demo? Or maybe there are people in your workplace or activist organisation who would like to undergo media skills training. 3CR is a resource for the community and offers community announcements, station tours, studio hire and media skills workshops at affordable prices. For more information, contact 3CR on 9419 or go to our website, www.3cr.org.au. Harm reduction refers to policies, programs and practices that aim primarily to reduce the adverse health, social and economic consequences of the use of legal and illegal psychoactive drugs without necessarily reducing drug consumption. Harm reduction benefits people who use drugs, their families and the community. If you want to know more about harm reduction in Victoria, head to hrvic.org.au. Harm Reduction Victoria is a non-profit, user-based and user-governed organisation which aims to educate, inform, support and advocate for people who use drugs, their friends, families and broader community. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am uh, digital and streaming at the website, 3cr.org.au, where you can also follow the links to the Insychedelia program page and subscribe to our podcast. We are catching up on podcasts and there's a couple more that are up there at the moment for any episodes that you might have missed in previous weeks. Uh, in December this year, Entheogenesis Australis will be holding their uh, outdoor conference. It is a conference focusing on uh, plants and uh, plant medicines, psychedelics, entheogens, and a range of other topics uh, verging into the futurist and esoteric too. Uh, the Entheogenesis Australis conference is now open uh, for anybody who might have something that they want to talk about at the conference. If you do have something, head to the website, entheo.net. And if you want to get an idea for the sorts of things that will be happening at the EGA conference, head to youtube.com forward slash entheotv for the EGA YouTube channel, where you can see plenty of the talks from previous years. Uh, tickets will be on sale in a couple of weeks, so keep an eye out on that on social media. They're on Facebook and Twitter as well, which you can find at the website. Again, entheo.net. Coming up, coming up, we will be talking a little bit about the Victorian drugs inquiry, but right now I'm going to be hearing from somebody who's talking about um, 
altered spaces. She presented at Rainbow Serpent Festival on how to navigate altered spaces. But I think uh, one of the important things to remember here, of course, is that we neither condone nor condemn people that use drugs. And the advice that she gives is some advice that I think can be used in any situation, especially situations that you might feel anxious about in normal, everyday life. I think it's worthy advice. My name is Mariana Dinkova, and I'm a licensed uh, psychotherapist, and I practice in San Francisco in California, and I also work as a life coach and relationship coach. And I have been, uh, since 2013, I've been taking groups to Peru, I have developed a system of navigation integration tools um, that are a combination of psychological, new shamanistic, transpersonal, and somatic tools um, that are really interesting to use with the ayahuasca experience, which is how I use it in my retreats in Brazil, as well as with a variety of different medicines. So I know that although I often speak speak about my system in the context of ayahuasca, it's applicable with a variety of medicines with different ways of adjusting it and uh, in my Peru retreats I take groups um, to uh, to come to Peru where I do workshops and teach people the navigation tools and I um, the medicine ceremonies are performed for experienced shamans so I'm not the shaman at the ceremonies I'm more the before and after girl and in between ceremonies we do workshops to work with a lot of the material that has been coming up and to uncover more and then there is integration in the last two days. Part of my new niches has been doing preparation integration sessions for people from all over the world who reach out to me also when they don't come to the Peru retreats. So that's kind of what I do with people a lot is giving them the foundational tools. And some of them are... Some of the important ones are intentions, and that's where a lot of people do a lot of... um, have very good intentions to make the right intention but it's still like how to craft an intention that really is aiming for what you want since a lot of people make intentions that are aiming away from what you do, they don't want which is double negative the unconscious does not operate that way so a lot of, like, so even crafting the right intentions with people is a really important thing then knowing how to how to engage in the space because a lot of the pretty much the only master tool that a lot of people talk about about using is surrender and it sounds great but <laughs> what does that mean? And also how to, I mean, a lot of my tools are actually there to facilitate surrendering to the right space, mm. to getting to the right flow. It facilitates surrendering in it. So because a lot of people think like, no, if you're teaching tools, that means you're messing with it. You're not surrendering. And this is not how I hold it. Because a lot of the tools I have designed, they're almost how to get your mind out of the way. Or especially how to get your negative programming out of the way. Because there's a lot of commonalities in this thing. It's not just something that stands alone uh, as uh, an individual experience each time, even though it sort of is. There's a lot of commonalities because we're all still human. And, yeah. and human beings have a lot of things in, in common with each other. Yeah, including uh, a lot of common emotional virusware. Yeah. <laughs> virusware, that's an interesting term. What's, uh, can you uh, delve into that a little bit? And I work quite a lot about it, about it with, with clients and with the people who come to my retreat. Like, often we have all these programs that developed once upon a time to protect us from whatever uncomfortable circumstances. Being like a hardcore inner critic who thinks he's going to motivate us but putting us down and criticizing us. Yeah. Or another part that can be so perfect that unless everything is perfect, it doesn't let you be. Or a different part that is built about, oh, that's not going to work. 
and it's helping you give up quicker because whatever environment you came from, it really didn't work. It really helped you once upon a time. So, so how a, do another, we another very common virus where it's going to worst case scenario, which is one of the most dangerous ones once it kicks in in psychedelic space because you go straight away. Am I going to die? Am I going to go crazy? Oh my God, I blew it this time. Now there is no coming back. Now my parents are going to have to come save me or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So it's also like so often before journeys, I help people identify what programming they have that they can that is most either connected to the issues they want to work with or to their relationship to psychedelic experience. And especially if people go to worst case scenario or if people go into doubting programs or criticizing programs, we do some prep work with the programs themselves. Right. So that we get to know what are they trying to protect and almost we, you can make contracts with those parts of us that are holding these anxieties or they're holding the critical attitudes mm. so that you can A, figure out how to clean them up and in a way neutralize some of it before the journey mm. or also make a contract in the journey that A, they don't come or they don't do that or also if they come, the person is much more resourced about how to recognize it how to recognize that this is just a worst case scenario voice. It's not the voice of God. It's not this big intuition that now it's really, really dead fluid. But it's just a predictable thing and also how to quick, quickly switch lanes or how to work with the emotions that come up in a way that is not going into a full-blown panic attack. Mm. So, so uh, essentially to one of the things that you first need to do with this virus where, and I love that term, is define it so that you can have you can have different scenarios and you know because they come up time and yeah. time again you see them time and yeah. time again and then address them in yourself be able to yeah. to ask those questions in yourself and really analyze it from at a, at a point when you are feeling more rational so that when you're in a different space or even when you're in the space and those voices or those feelings or those particular things come in to recognize yeah. oh that's that thing versus yeah. this is the voice of god or the voice of ultimate truth speaking to me how bad it is because even like sometimes really getting to know them and recognizing them lose make them makes them lose a lot of power. So what what um, to to complexify the issue and I'm sure it's something that you probably come up against. What of people that do hold um, very uh, uh, mystical mindsets where there are real entities out yeah. there? So what what happens when people are convinced of uh, a, an external entity? Is this a good thing, yeah. a bad thing, or uh, somewhere well, in between? It, it can be all kinds of things. And actually, in the book I'm writing, which is also about tools for navigating altered states, there's some chapters about dealing with entities. Because especially with ayahuasca or with DMT, DMT, is, of course, is one of the most popular ones where people have a lot of actually like <laughs> inner space <Great>. alien <laughs> contact and a lot of them it, it can be very beautiful and it can be very enriching mm. so I know that a lot of people when they think about like oh no encountering an entity they think straight away about a monster no you can encounter angels <laughs> or yeah. so to say you can encounter beings that you're like oh my divine grace for thank you for coming into my field and I mean there is a separate discussion about how real are they or how much they're fragments yeah, of yeah. us of our future self of us in a different dimension who is encountering us here You're supposed to have that conversation right. you need to ground it first yeah somewhere. and I remember also like one of the cute talk about a really a funny talk I listened to at the breaking convention where I was speaking uh, last year in London mm about somebody who's going about the no the empirical evidence for the existence of the oh outer space entities. He's like, and you know what? If they show up, don't have a conversation with them about do they exist or not. Have a conversation. <laughs> it's yep. like it's like where's one thing is like how real and so on and then the other thing is what to do with them. And as a part of my program, I mean there is also because depending also the sense of is this a benevolent thing? Is this, is this a teacher? Is it is it a guide? Or is it something that is kind of coming with a lower vibration? There are also a lot of techniques I teach about either shielding yourself 
and protecting yourself or going into the part of you that knows how to deal with that presence. Sometimes I also help people resource themselves with a lot of different archetypes from their own mythology. So it's okay also to call one of those archetypes for divine supervision if you're dealing with an entity where you're not quite sure what the intentions are, it's over your head, but you can call something else to supervise the interaction. I so have this also is what these, these tools are for. These are for uh, taking a, a scenario where all, all, almost you're a, you're a passive uh, participant in it and becoming active, active. and being yeah. able to, because, to interact, yeah. like, pass, like lucid dreaming. It's probably similar. 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 Yeah. And you also have the little windows. Like if an entity comes in that you don't want to interact with in the psychedelic experience, you have a very short window to just distract yourself. Because almost in order to become real in your trip, you have to feed it enough attention to start to give it enough reality to become an active participant but in my experience it's also and then there are tools of what to do if you have done that but also one of the first tools is sometimes if it does not feel like something you want to uh, contact with there is also a tools of how quickly start thinking about something else and bring your mind something else so you cannot really log into your system in long enough or you cannot become that real in your trip so then you kind of avoid it with prevention like some of the other tools that I teach that very few people are talking about is also like how to direct the trip into like what helps you, what do you want to grow, what do you want to create out of it, what resources do you want to build. Because a lot of, a lot of us have built to give a lot of energy towards what we don't know, we don't want, what we're trying to avoid, yeah. what we're afraid that happened to this person that we read about on the internet, blah, blah, blah. And it's a, it is very much like whatever you pour energy becomes more of your reality. Yeah. And a lot of us high-functioning neurotics in our society, we're almost built for survival to think about all these scenarios that we don't want to happen. Yeah. And if that happens in a trip, this is often can be quite counterproductive. And even just sometimes being able to go into the part of you that is going for what you want to build and eliciting the energy of the trip and the intelligence of the space. Because once people go deep enough into a psychedelic experience, the space often has its own intelligence. And that's one of the first tools I teach people is how to interact with it. Because you can ask and receive information. If you don't ask, you might not receive. But very often, and that's also one of the feedback I get a lot from people who come to my workshops or to my retreats, is the ability to then interact with the space. And you can ask for different things. You can ask for skill sets, like, show me how to do this. And then it can become a little bit like the Matrix thing, where Nemo is running to the helicopter, Learning. has no idea how yeah. to drive it, goes like, download me the software, how to drive this gets it. So that's actually something that can happen quite a bit in a deep, deep right. trip, if you ask for it. Right. Yeah. And you can also ask for results. So often you can ask, like, hey, ayahuasca, or hey, whatever, out of medicine you're working with, can you help me do this? Or can you do this for me? Yeah. Instead of teach me how to do it, do it for me. You can also work with different parts of yourself. Since we are these super complex beings and we have so many parts of us and it's, it's a little bit, if I go into, I want to go to the part of me that already knows how to be with this situation with ease and grace, then often like a part of you goes, oh, you want me? I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's often like, because in, in a new situation, it's easy to go into this thing, me, little me, in a big world, I don't know, versus remind ourselves that we're so much. Yeah. And if I call for to the right part of me that already has the knowledge or that knows how to acquire it and knows how to deal with the situation, that part in me will show up. I don't just have to download it out or ask the spirit of the space to do it. The, 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 we are also the super powerful being beings. In a lot of my... my, my Passion is also actually empowering people into, into the connection to their own, own inner shaman and their own direct connection to the shamanic realms. 
which then can consist with or without medicines, with or without the ritual, with or without, yeah. Uh, my website is marianadinkova.com. And feel free to spell <laughs> to put it. Yeah, yeah, I will put a link on yeah. the social media. <laughs> and I have, I have an upcoming retreat, for example, now in June, uh, which is with three different shamans. Two of them work with ayahuasca, and one of them are flying in from Cusco, who's one of the most elder, elder respected San Pedro shamans. So that's going to be coming up in June. So if people go to my website and check out the retreats, then they can see how to um, get more information about the, the coming up June retreat. There will be also another one in December. And they can also contact me at any time for uh, journey preparation and integration sessions. Thank you very much, Mariana, for being on in, in Psychedelia. And we'll post links to all of that uh, for all the spelling troubles Thank out you. there. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been so much fun meeting, meeting the Australian family.
Temple Step Project, Distant Temple. You can find them on Facebook and on SoundCloud. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am digital and streaming at the website 3cr.org.au. And you're listening to In Psychedelia. Uh, coming up, we're going to be talking about uh, O-Week for students of sens- uh, sensible drug policy, uh, family drug support. Uh, there's a, a day coming up uh, at Parliament. Uh, the Cannabis 420 picnic, which is on right now in uh, uh, in Flagstaff Gardens. Uh, the Victorian Drugs Inquiry and also the Psychedelic Society meeting on next week. Like in Canada and in Australia, they cannot discharge tailings directly into the riverways. But in Pogara, they discharge... They're tailings in the waterways and they kill us and they say it's okay, you are just being killed for trespassing. Subscribe to 3CR, bringing you voices and opinions the mainstream media don't dare touch. They have the exclusive right to extract the mineral below six feet, but that exclusive right does not permit them also to kill people. Who does the killing? The company has uh, specially arranged security forces. Subscribe today. Call 9419... Eight three double seven. My name is Nick, and you are listening to Encyclopedia. Ash, um, we've got a number of things coming up uh, over the coming weeks. Uh, what would you like to get stuck into first? Well, I'd just like to plug SSDP. This is a big week for us. We're going to have people handing out resources at, um, I think, over ten different universities wow. in three states. Uh, so, we, if you're at university or any of your friends are at university, please encourage them to get in contact with us. Encourage them to get involved. Um, We'll have some events at some of the universities at O-Week. Melbourne Uni's possibly going to have Richard Di Natale there and a couple of other guest speakers. Fantastic. <coughs> um, yeah, so get involved. Look for look for us on campus. And, and is there a place people can go for more information? Yep, you can head to our website, ssdp.org.au, or check us out on Facebook. SSDP Australia is where to find us, and we'll be posting information all through the week about what's happening at campuses over O-Week. Uh, also, Family Drug Support is having a day up soon. Do you have the information there? Not right in front of me. It's <laughs> National Family Drug Support Day yes. and who Family Drug Support are, they're uh, essentially a counselling service focused around the families of people who use drugs, um, kind of recognising that there's a very specific place where you sit, like trying to support somebody who has a problem with addiction or mm. some kind of problematic drug use. And it can it be quite a difficult thing to actually remain in that space of being supportive you know especially when they're being brats like you know Mm. bad things have happened they've they've acted out or whatever and so family drug support they offer a free online counseling service as well as various support groups where people can go and meet other people that have dealt with a similar situation and i guess get some training in like both self-care and supporting the the person with the with the drug problem so so they're marking their 20th anniversary with uh, with some major events in 2017. If you want more information, the website is nationalfdsday.fds.org.au and it's happening on uh, the 23rd and the 24th of February 2017. So there's going to be a number of events uh, going on, including a lunch at Parliament House uh, where campaigner Tony Trimmingham will be marking uh, 20, 20 years of supporting National Family Drug Support Day. Uh, and that's, again, over 23rd and 24th of February, nationalfdsday.fds.org.au. 
Uh, cannabis picnic, 420 picnic. Is happening right now. I sent Matt a text to see how it's going, but I haven't heard anything back yet. I expect the turnout might be a little bit lower because the weather hasn't been the, the greatest today. <laughs> yes, it's quite a wintry summer day. Um, I will be heading there after the show in time for 420. Uh, this event is also... Um, promoted as a cannabis-free cannabis picnic. So it's really just the community getting out there and supporting each other and having a presence while not antagonizing the police who have been instructed to enforce use and possession laws. Uh, and um, the uh, 420 picnic, I did see Matt Riley post on social media that um, they will be going down regardless of what the weather is and encouraging people to get down there, even for just a little bit to show your support for the community. Uh, uh, before I get stuck in, before we get stuck into the Victorian drugs inquiry, I just wanted to mention again next Sunday the Australian Psychedelic Society having its first meetup, discussion, music, and market event from 3:30 at Bar Open, 317 Brunswick Street in Fitzroy, uh, covering some well all issues from the scientific to the es- esoteric, uh, and a bit of music as well with Calicoma. Uh, playing, who we heard from earlier in the program, and also new band uh, Sugar Sandwich, who will be launching their EP uh, at the event. So that's happening at uh, Bar Open on Brunswick Street in Fitzroy from 3.30pm, $10 on the door. Now, we were just mentioning the um, uh, 420 picnic, and I came across something called Anonymous Hemp Sector Australia, um, and a anonymous video, one of their, you know, typically dramatic uh, anonymous videos, um, and it says, uh, Anonymous Hemp Sector Australia message about new drug laws, and it was released in April of last year, and was talking about some laws that were introduced January last year, um, that were introduced on the back of the ICE uh so-called ice epidemic uh, by the Andrews government as a uh, as a way to solve some of the problems. Now, these laws included things like uh, increases of penalties, um, new penalties introduced for proximity to certain locations if you're uh, trafficking or distributing a drug, no matter if you're in a private residence or not, um, which is a classic, uh, we're going to arrest our way out of uh, this problem when they keep saying that doesn't work. It's also a policy that's demonstrably failed in the United States. Mm. And and we see it introduced on the back of the ice uh, ice uh, issue, uh, even though the um, uh, of course the law is covering all drugs in Victoria, including cannabis, and it also introduced a uh, new offence for. Um, for I think it was uh, possession or distribution of material that could uh, could help somebody manufacture or cultivate I, drugs. I of think it was just possession. Possession. Even. Yeah. So this would mean that books, uh, well, even magazines like High Times, which are uh, you know it's a hugely popular uh, magazine from the US, which uh, often has cultivation tips for cannabis, um, fairly benign uh, cultivation tips. It's not exactly a hard plant to grow. Um, for the green thumbs out there, um, uh, it's it's basically the same sort of information that people would have for growing tomatoes or cucumbers or you know something like that but now it's a offense punishable by i think there were jail sentences uh involved and um that's maybe something that should be focused on uh in the victorian drugs inquiry as a piece of legislation that was introduced uh to lower uh the uh, incidence of um uh, of drug related issues in the community by creating new crimes 
how, how do we measure if this is successful or not? Is there anybody measuring if it's successful or does the Victorian government just get to introduce amendment after amendment to the Drugs, Poisons and Controlled Substances Act without actually going, has any of this worked? I think that's one of the key elements in really, if, if we're really taking an objective look at our drug, drug laws, even on their own terms, they're, they're a failure. They haven't decreased use, they haven't made communities safer, they haven't decreased crime, and they haven't decreased the manufacture and import of illicit substances. So what are they for if they're failing on their own terms? So the Victorian Drugs Inquiry is an uh, inquiry by um, one of the committees of parliament uh, that all members of the public, uh, including people that live uh, in other states, territories, or even un- other countries, are able to make submissions to. They're due on the 17th of March 2017, so you've got just under a month to make a submission, and you can find uh, information at the Victorian Parliament website. Uh, follow the links to the Law Reform uh, Sa- Safety and Community Safety Committee uh, um, probably it's a LRSC something like that. Yeah, um, we've got information on the Encyclopedia social media and website as well. There's a handy guide for you at Encyclopedia.org. Uh, just going through a number of the issues that we have been following on the program since we first began broadcasting. Uh, now that I'll just mention the terms of reference because inquiries um, require you to address the terms of reference, and if you don't, if you go outside of that, um, they uh, don't have to address that. So it's important to address these. There's two terms of reference. Number one is the effectiveness of laws, procedures, and regulations relating to illicit and synthetic drugs, and the misuse of prescription medication in minimising drug-related harm, uh, health, social, and economic harm. And number two, the practice of other Australian states, territories and overseas jurisdictions and their approach to drug law reform and how other positive reforms could be adopted into Victorian law. Um, now, quickly, we're, we're just running out of time, but SSDP has also put together a um, yeah. Uh, we've got a we've got a template that we've created, so it, it kind of breaks down exactly where to send your submission, and it's just got some tips on things that you might want to include. One of the things that um, can be really powerful in this kind of submission are personal stories. If you've been impacted in any way by drug policies or those people in your family, um, you can write about that, and and that kind of personal story has a lot of power to really understand what these policies mean in action. And even if um, certain aspects of our drug policies have helped you as well, that's also important to know if you've had a positive experience in the in the treatment sector, for example, or even with the police and um, medical practitioners, then knowing what is working and what isn't is the aim of the inquiry. So it's really important that no matter who you are, no matter what you have to say, do have a say into the Victorian Drugs Inquiry because no matter how little you think you might have to add to the discussion, it might be an element that's just not heard enough by our politicians. This committee uh, will be reporting on the issue by March in 2018, just in time for another Victorian state election, uh, and we will be uh, hopefully able to start to implement some uh, better policies, but it relies on your voice and uh, anybody that you know uh, who might also have something to add to that. Uh, Final thoughts? Um, Check out our template at ssdp.org.au slash campaigns and you can find more information there. And Nick's blog on the Encyclopedia page is really good for a a basics of the issues. We're back next week from Sunday. You enjoy your Sunday afternoon. Queering the Air is up next. See ya. This is Encyclopedia. Comments, complaints or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website. 
3cr.org.au and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In Psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. You've been listening to a 3CR community radio podcast of Encyclopedia. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.